0: 630 Ched and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present The Show That Is Everything Oilers Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex Service for all brands of print equipment in your office Yeah, Digitex does
1: that D-I-G-I-T-E-X C-A On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. That's how you turn the microphone on. 105 here in Edmonton. Uh, it's, that's gotta be Brendan Escott on the mic. Yep. <clears throat> you ready for hour two? It's always brought to you by Digitex. Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Still to come. After the 1:30 news, we'll uh, head down to the farm. Check in with head coach Jay Woodcroft on another couple of Bakersfield Condor's wins. Goaltending got split between Ilya Konovalov and Olivier Rodrigue, how they look? Philip Broberg up to nine assists in eleven games is Maybe he ready to take a step at some point this year? We'll find out in about a half hour's time. Uh, Before I tell you, you can keep in touch on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. River Cree Resort Casino Excitement. Bet on it and that same number, 780-496-0063 is our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Open Monday to Saturday. We're on Twitter as well. You know the show is at Oilers now. Uh, I am at Brendan Escott. That's Brendan with an E. And Cody Jansen is Janner31 underscore. Well, uh, Reed Wilkins was manning the ship on the Oilers' radio network for uh, well, the whole weekend, and I got to listen to you guys on the airplane home from California last night, thankfully, so I knew what I was talking about coming into today, and there was a lot to discuss after that 5-4 win, Reed. in specific, but you've been on uh, behind the controls there for all four of these road games thus far. How has the team looked, in your opinion, since embarking on this trip?
0: Well, first of all, that's uh, an honor to be broadcasting onto an airplane. I didn't. I, I yep. actually didn't know that was possible. Yeah, so if you
1: technology uh, <laughs> continues to amaze me, that's fascinating. Yeah, special Wi-Fi, so I don't uh, take down the plane in the process.
0: Oh, good, good man. Well, I think uh, you know the, I, the games. Obviously, against Buffalo and Detroit were disappointing, just because I think the Oilers w- were a little. Uh, discombobulated in those games. It took him a long time to get going against Detroit in a similar situation against Buffalo, who was pretty determined to, I think, clog up the middle of the ice and not let the Oilers close to their net if, if they could help it. But then the Oilers handed Buffalo uh, too many scoring chances, which cost them in the end. The game against Boston, I thought that was a pretty good game. The Oilers responded from being down a couple of times and then came through in the third period. And then yesterday's game against St. Louis... I think that's a bit of a benchmark game because I, I think that's the best team the Oilers have played so far this season. I, I know they're missing a couple of key players though, as you and Bob were talking about, the Oilers are also missing the guy who's supposed to be the number one goalie. And I, I think that they were able to trade some punches with the blues and ultimately figure it out in the end. I, I realized that, Hey, yeah, would have been great to uh, be up 4-2 two after two and uh, nurse at home in the third period and only give up, you know, five shots on goal and win 4-2 or 5-2 with an empty netter. Sure, but St. Louis is a good team. They have a lot of skill. They have depth, and they're able to push it as well. You know, it, it, we've, we've already seen some some pretty exciting finishes this season, even in the last, uh, where, where are we at now, week and a half, the game against the Rangers, the game against Boston. Last night's game, even the game in uh, Buffalo, the Oilers didn't win, but the, the final eight minutes, they get 14 shots on goal. And and I think part of it for me is good teams often have depth and they often have experience. And of course you need skill and a whole bunch of other stuff, but I think depth and experience are, are two big things that can help put a team over the top. And the Oilers have more of that than they've had in recent years. Um, could they use more depth in some areas? Sure, of course, but they're deeper than they have been in recent years and they're more experienced than they've been in recent years, partially with a couple of the additions. If you want to look at Ryan or Keith or even CC, and then just the natural process of some of the core players getting deeper in their careers and having seen more stuff, you know, as they've, as they've gone through their careers to this point and you could pick apart any part of a game and no team ever plays perfectly, but figure it out. I mean, figure it out. Okay. So you had a lead and then you gave up two goals in four minutes and you were being outplayed for part of the third period. Okay. What are you going to do about it? Does that end the game? And then eventually you give up the fifth and sixth goals and you lose six, four, or can you settle it down and, and figure it out? And ultimately the Oilers are a, a better team. Now I believe at just doing those figure it out type things okay so you're down one to boston like are, are you going to let them check you to death that you're going to lose or do you have the skill do you have the depth and the experience to figure it out and i and i think that's part of it last night uh, you know I, i've obviously seen some of the comments and text to the overtime open line last night well they should have shut it down and won four two okay well so what so they didn't play perfectly Do you throw the game away when it's 4-4 and give up? Or do you say, okay, we're in a tie game with 12 minutes left. we we got to get the next goal. And that sequence at the end of the game, I I said last night with Rob, it, it almost reminded me of the ebb and flow of an NFL game where one team makes a big play, scores a touchdown. The other team comes back with a big drive, scores a touchdown. One team is ahead and maybe they're on the verge of putting it away, but the other team comes back with a rally and it's tied with five minutes to go. Who can execute better in the final five minutes? And the Oilers basically to use a football team football term got a stop and a score. Costan made a big save on a point blank shot in front with just over a minute left. And then the Oilers got the puck and and scored on their opportunity. So, yeah, I, I mean, they're not perfect, but they're, they're able to figure it out more often than not. And I do think that's important. And, and I, I, I agree there are things you wish that they could do better. I also think it's something you and Bob were talking about. I, I think the NHL is changing. And I think it's going to get harder and harder with the speed and skill level of the game seemingly increasing with each new generation of players, I I think we're going to see fewer low event two one games or where a two goal lead going to the third period is pretty much an automatic victory. I I think we've already seen several examples of that, but I I think it's going to be more and more like that. And that's what the NHL wants. That's what any sports league wants. They don't want fans turning off the radio or the TV when there's still a third of the game left right they they want they they want people to think okay th- this is the time i really got to start paying attention even though this this one team might be ahead by a couple there's still a lot of hockey left to be played so you know i i think that i'm not saying multi-goal comebacks are going to be common but i think there might be more tense finishes exciting finishes in the nhl as we continue to move move along with the new generation of players simply because that's how they're that's how they're geared to play there of course defensive hockey will always be important but they're also more geared to go after it as opposed to thinking okay we have the lead we can sit back a little bit here we just got to check we can clutch and grab no it's going to be okay well we're down four two we still got 10 minutes left that's
1: a lot of time let's get to couple texts here that uh, are sort of playing into this conversation. Negative Greg uh, says 2-1 games are boring. And I agree with him in some senses. Some 2-1 games are boring. And we're getting more and more spoiled with the amount of goal scoring that we've seen and the increases in, in recent years in the NHL. Another texture here Reed says that it's nice that the Oilers could score five in a game. It'd be nicer if they didn't have to every time. And, uh, you know, again, you're, you're, there's going to be an element of just sort of offset Setting the odd soft goal that gets scored because you've got guys that are gonna score. There might be two 40 goal scores, and that might be an understatement. There might be two 50 goal scores on this Oilers team by the time it's said and done. Who knows? You know, but I I agree that the fact that we've got, you know, a situation 14 games in on the back end where some of those problems that people were forecasting down the road in looking at the personnel on defense. Now those are becoming more present, you know, some giveaways from the back end that are resulting in goals in, in the other way. And so now you're, you know, you're putting yourself in a situation where you, you have to rely upon those big guns. And now that they have the depth, it's probably less straining. But, you know, I I have to agree with the texture in some sense that while it's great that they're willing to, you know, high event hockey, as you guys were describing it on, on uh, overtime open line last night, but... If, for the longevity of the success of this team, especially in the playoffs, that usually doesn't fly. It usually doesn't. Usually you run into a goaltender who throws up a 9.50 save percentage and bounces you in four games.
0: Okay, well, first of all, I think Greg's text about 2-1 games being boring, I I think I kind of get where he's going with that two one games are boring if the team with the one doesn't get any scoring opportunities in the third period and that's what was happening in the dead puck era right you know third period play the trap clutch and grab give up you know six shots on goal maybe one of them's a good scoring chance (laughs) everybody's going to sleep and the game's over uh what can you read the other text again If you still
1: have it. Yeah. Where'd we go here? It's nice that the Oilers could score five goals in a game would be nicer if they didn't have to every time.
0: Okay. Well, fair comment. Um, and and yes, I, I agree. I would, I would like them to be able to shut it down better than they have. And, and yes, it would, sure. It would have been great if the, if the, if the, uh, if the blues hadn't tied that game and maybe it was a little less stress in the third period. Um, I mean, they've scored five a couple times this year, a few times this year, where the other team wasn't at four or five. I mean, they won some games 5-2 and 5-1. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they have scored where they didn't necessarily have to. I, I mean, I, I, I think that's that'll be an ongoing story. I heard you and Bob talking about, do they add, uh, as we move along here, what, what could they add at the trade deadline that could help? Could they add uh, a defenseman or two? Do they call up somebody that can help with the shutdown or the skating on the back end? That's all fair. Um, but again, like I was saying before, winning still trumps everything. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. We don't know what's going to happen the, the next time the orders have give up two goals in four minutes like they did last night. If they're going to, if they're going to be able to respond, I, I, I guess I tend to look at it more from the the positive side that yes, there are problems, but they're still overcoming those problems. I I, I mean, the the teams that were out of the playoffs don't win that game yesterday. I, I mean, they're, they probably don't even get a four, two lead. They probably lose four, two or four, one. Right. So the, I, I get it. There, there are problems. I, I know the, I think for some members of the fan base, they're they're always nervous and 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 never happy, which which is fine. That's part of the, I think that's part of the joy of being a sports fan is that sometimes you can you know, worry and allow yourself to be a little bit irrational. So I don't I don't I mean I think that that texture. I think yeah he's we're, we're seeing the same things, um, I guess. But if if you look at the the process of the entire season, would you sooner say? okay we know we have things to work on but at least we're winning while we're working them out or would you sooner say, well, we have problems and they're costing us games? I, I mean, I'd sooner have the, the winning go along with it and figure out the problems while still saying, well, you know, what? we got problems, but we're still good enough to win some of these games. Imagine what we can do if we, if we take care of some of these issues.
1: Well, exactly. And it's nice to see things coming out in the wash now with so much runway left in the season for these kinds of things to be addressed, whether that's by a coaching tweak or an addition from internal or external or whatever it may be. This was sort of a, it was Tony Bra brought this to my attention. He said this is kind of a, an information gathering road trip for the staff of the Oilers. Here, you know what? What are they really made of? Here's here's some true tests. Here's five in a row with some really good teams mixed in there. It's going to be punctuated by a home and home with the team that knocked you out of the playoffs last year. So I think this is a really good table setting opportunity. You know, for the rest of the year to say here's here's the things that we see as you know uh, areas that we need improved in order to compete and again obviously this is going to be a playoff team it's just a matter of how well built they are to succeed in the longevity of the grind of the playoffs when maybe you're not getting that deciding goal from a guy like ryan mcleod quite yet or even a guy like kyler yamamoto quite yet these guys that are making the difference in the regular season that haven't necessarily come out to play in the playoffs in years past so you know establishing what the true identity of this team is going to be moving forward i think is really important i don't know how sustainable the special teams are reed when you look at things and and again you know you'll go you know the numbers are are what they are but 42 percent in the power play first in the league and 88 percent on the penalty kill second in the league like these are are winning factors in games as well so circle it all back around to a team that i think is maturing and and has different ways and has found different ways to win games that in past it would not
0: well yeah and i mean i to me there's always a fine line between analyzing the team and the problems and worrying about what could happen within the postseason i mean like why are we that worried about may 2nd right now I guess maybe that's a luxury because we're all pretty sure the Oilers are going to be in the playoffs. But the the roster could change, the health situation could change, the competent the competency level of other teams could change for the good or the bad. I mean, it's sort of assumed, I guess, that Anaheim won't keep it up. Well, what if they what if they do? I mean, you heard Rob and I talking about the whole John Gibson stuff last night. Mm-hmm. The season started with a lot of people assuming John Gibson was going to be traded. At some point by the Anaheim Ducks because they were going to be terrible. Well, what if they're still in the top three in the division at the trade deadline? He's not going to get traded, and that changes the whole outlook for Anaheim and teams who might have been uh, been in on him in the in the trade market. So, yeah, I mean, I I I'm with I, I'm with the school of thought that this is an information gathering. Road trip that you've sort of seen how some of the shortcomings affect the Oilers. Again, they were still able to figure it out in a couple other games, and I think these are this is a good benchmark game against Winnipeg because you do have what happened in the playoffs bundled in as part of the storyline to this game. And can the Oilers play? Uh, and look, you, you don't get revenge for playoff losses because those are the most significant ones. Last year happened. So, you know, Winnipeg will always have that over the Oilers, but uh, you know, are the Oilers going to be motivated a little bit? by by
1: revenge
0: or, or trying to make a statement here against the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, I, I think it's fun. I think this is fun that, that that's uh, that's what we're talking about. I mean I've done plenty of shows on November uh, 15th in past seasons where we were already talking about lottery odds yeah. so this <laughs> this this beats that alternative for sure
1: oh without a doubt um hey i wanted to ask because it's been a hot topic it always is. you know connor mcdavid could draw a call on every play but it's it's the blatantness of some of the calls that are missed that continue to be fuddled certainly the fan base you know, and there's only so pragmatic uh, that a media professional can be before you're kind of saying, I know you're not doing this on purpose, but are you bleeping kidding me on some of these calls or non-calls? And then we saw a makeup call last night. And so you already know the referee knows that he's made a mistake. And I I don't know what the solution to this is other than to, you know, like I maybe I don't know. Because it's not a speed thing when the referee is standing in the corner and McDavid gets his feet swept out as he's going in behind the net and there's no call there. The referee's standing in position to call that and he's just not making the call. So what is the deal? What is the deal with this? And, and what, what, where do we draw the line? Where do, we, where do we see change here? Or do we? Because we've been talking about this read for what feels like four years.
0: Uh, well, we've been talking about officiating for at least 47 years, because that's how long I've been alive. And <laughs> I'm going to guess it happened before I came into existence Probably. as well. Probably. It, it's, it's, always, it's always going to be discussed. People are never going to be happy with the officials. That's the nature of that job, and that's the nature of being a sports fan. It's, it's something you can kind of complain about that you don't have any control over, and you can go, what if? Now, having said that, I do think that there's a, currently a problem in the National Hockey League. I think it's gotten worse the last couple of years. I don't think it's confined to Oilers games I don't think it's confined to just fouls committed against Connor McDavid it seems to me that there are too many instances of obvious penalties not being called such as players being tripped and the Oilers aren't angels I mean we've talked about it for the last week like Tyson Berry tripping a player in Detroit driving to the net last week and not getting a penalty absurd Absolutely absurd that that wasn't called. And then I think in Buffalo, several ticky tack fouls being called against the Sabres. I mean, the refing was not good in Buffalo, and it was to the advantage of the Edmonton Oilers. So sometimes it goes both ways. Here's here's the thing first of all, I, I do believe that the NHL refs are the best hockey refs in the world. I also have to tell myself, and a referee said this to me once that you have to remember the view on the ice is totally different than the view you're getting in the stands or on the television. So you have to respect that, that they're seeing things from different angles and different proximities and different, um, you know, apparent levels of speed because everything's faster, the closer you are to it. So I recognize all that makes it a very hard game to officiate. Having said that call the obvious penalties, just call trips, just just call sticks being held, in, you, know, you know, like call the obvious stuff. The 50-50 stuff, you're going to be on one side or the other, depending on what team you're cheering for. I think some of those can be overlooked, especially if it doesn't play a, a huge uh, impact in what's going on, on in, in, the, in the play that's developing. So that that's where I get frustrated is that I see obvious penalties, obvious infractions where for some reason referees are saying, well, I'm not going to call that. So I actually don't want more power plays. I just want more obvious penalties called in anything that might be iffy or that one fan base might think is a penalty and the other wouldn't. I'm fine with that being ignored. And a lot of times if I just wa- watch a game, um, the most of the time I, I think that the refs do a pretty good job, though I still see too many obvious penalties being missed. So I think that's what the NHL needs to figure out is, is why are the obvious calls not being made and the theory is and somebody wrote this into my show last week that if the refs call more penalties now in theory they should have less penalties to call as the games and the seasons progress because then players will be sure what's a penalty and what isn't right the point of calling a penalty is not just to punish the player who committed the foul it's to discourage him from doing that in the future So I think that's part of the issue is that's and Connor McDavid commented, you know, about the consistency when he was asked about it um, prior to the season. Just just establish what is a penalty. And of course, there are always judgment calls. And of course, it's going to be different. But if you establish, okay, guys, this is always a penalty. Like This should be called 100 percent of the time and then that call is made at least 97% of the time, then then I think I'd be a lot happier with the officiating. Instead, I, th- I see things that look like 100% penalties, and they're called two-thirds of the time.
1: What's coming up on your show tonight, my friend?
0: Kelly Rudy's on tonight. Dave Campbell's going to check in from Toronto, and we'll talk footy. Another match coming up tomorrow.
1: I'll be in attendance. Thanks, Reid. Appreciate the time. See you. Reed Wilkins, host of Inside Sports tonight from 6 to 8 on 630 Chet. Japanese Village open to serve you at any one of their five Edmonton and area locations. Try the uh, legendary Wagyu steak cooked right before your eyes. Reserve now at jvedmonton.ca and I know that you know that cars cost less in Wetaskiwin, but did you know that Brent Ridge Ford and Wetaskiwin are 10-time President's Award winners for customer satisfaction? What does that even mean? Well, it means treating people fairly, fully transparent negotiations, and making sure that advertised prices include all accessories, fees, and taxes except for GST. If those attributes are important to you, phone our friends, Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at 1-877-477-3673 or visit brentridge.com. Once again, up against the clock. I'm sorry, Cody. We'll throw out a news right now. We'll come back with some AHL talk. How are the Bakersfield Condors doing? Pretty good. We'll hear more from head coach Jay Woodcroft on the other side.